Cold Stove Podcast. We are back from the lodge in Austin, Texas. Uh, this Cold Stove is in by Watch Me. not that part. I'm your host, Brett Merriman. And uh, again, that's an idea. Dude, I'm rusty, man. Oh. I'm rusty off the rip here. This is a horror. All right, everybody. Stuff. We're on the uh, Cold Stove Podcast. presented by Watch <laughs> Media. I appreciate you guys joining us today. I am NRD at NHL Rumors Daily. That is Schmerriman. Apparently now the Robin to my Batman. And uh, we'll take it from there. You know what? I'm leaving it in as a man of honor. There you, you guys get to see our, our successes and our failures. That, so that bottom, that is, the worst start to the show we've ever had on Cold Stove Podcast, hopefully, is not an omen for the rest of the show. NRD, how are you? I am good, man. You're a man of integrity, and I appreciate that. Holding it down here. Uh, interesting show today. A couple of things going into the All-Star break that I think we're going to hit on that many of you listening will like to hear. So. Ooh, okay. Just, just really straight up teasing off the off the rip. Let's go. Hit us with a uh, a review, a rating, five stars, four stars if if you want, three stars if there's improvement. Uh, you know, just just kind of be nice to us or not. I don't know. Just as long as you're leaving ratings, subscribing on iTunes, following on Spotify, that's cool with me. And hit us on Twitter and Instagram at Cold Stove Pod. Shoot us questions for the topics that we need to cover because there are plenty. NRD, where do you want to start? Well, first and foremost, before we get into hockey, a uh, special round of applause to our now verified host oh. of the Cold Stove Pod, Ash Merriman. He is now verified on Twitter. Thanks to yours truly. Yes, NRDA OUA. Uh, thank you for that. The hookup at Twitter. Uh, much appreciated. Not that, I, not that, hey, I thought my account was pretty good on its own. It could have been verified, but I think your, your boost may have put it over the edge. Listen, the one that helped me out knows who they are. It's amazing, right, that I can't get the check mark, but I have enough pull to get Brett a check mark, and we'll just leave it at that. So, I hey, I I think you you deserve one. I don't know, maybe just a couple more NRD bombs, and we'll get you there. Or we uh, we exit the Batcave. Whoa, we, we Bruce Wayne it. Maybe an un, may, perhaps uh, 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 an NRD bomb for the ages unveil the mask. Listen, it's only with the support of everybody. Following, listening, subscribing, whatever you're doing with the okay. Cold Stove Pod. That's the way it happens. If we want to get there, let's get big. Okay. Well, NRD, I'm excited for that. If it does happen, we'll see where that goes. Just just keep an eye out on that one. Uh, in NHL news, the All-Star break begins after the games tonight. Uh, pretty good game tonight, actually. little Edmonton-Washington taking us into the break. What are you excited for over the next couple of days, NRD? I'm excited to see, you know... Everything aside of about what I've said about this All-Star Weekend, I'm excited, first of all and foremost, for a break. You know, we, we love this game. We watch it every day. You know, talk about it once a week here on the Cold Stuff Pod and in our inner circles when we're not on the podcast. But it's nice to have a little breather in the schedule, refresh, reset the scene, especially that's what a lot of GMs are doing around the league right now, too, coming out of the All-Star break. You're going to see start to see teams posture up as we head into deadline season. So that's exciting. And also... Listen, I've given the NHL enough shit for what they're about to put on in Vegas. I'm excited to just see some of the great stars on display. I think it's really cool what they're doing with uh, Menon Rayum, who's going to participate in the Breakaway Challenge, and uh, that guy from Goon as well. I forgot his name, Wyatt Russell, I believe, from Goon, is going to participate as well. So they're getting some celebrities involved. They're doing some cool things, and uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for the next couple of days. I won't. I hate this stuff, man. I they, like they're playing fucking blackjack on a on a cruise liner. They're they're doing the 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 face off ch- challenge. I don't give a shit. 
I'm sorry. This is so lame. It's it's just lame. And I, I like how you you uh, you have officially taken back your applause for the NHL because they did get a dinosaur uh, performer correct. Well, so on this very podcast, in one of the uh, fin- last thoughts that we did a couple of weeks ago on the the league whip around, I talked about how the NHL I applauded them for not hiring you know typical Vegas entertainment, and one of the names I did throw out there was that guy with the puppets, Terry Fader. <laughs> Gave him an applause. And then sure enough, here comes the email from NHL PR that Terry Fader will be a celebrity judge in the Breakaway Challenge. So confirm, Gary Bettman, longtime listener to the Cold Stove Pod. I appreciate it. Steve Mayer <laughs> and the, the content office. Thank you guys for listening. And yeah, I take that applause back because everything I said that they were going to do, they did the opposite. You're right. Um, they The one event I do enjoy because for some reason, and I wonder if it's tied to some, uh, call it offshore cash, is the skating competition. The fastest skater, whatever it's called. I think that's pretty cool between that and hardest shot where it's like, okay, there's like we get legit people because the breakaway contest is so like the goalies are trying to let you score and they can mess up into a save and everybody boos. It's like I don't, that doesn't do a whole lot for me. But hardest shot and fastest skater, even the accuracy challenge to, to a degree, that stuff's a little more fun for me. It's old school, right? It's nostalgic. Yeah, exactly. You think of- you think of Ray Bork going four for four and like, holy shit, Ray Bork was the best shooter in the league or Zidane Chara ripping, you know, 107 mile per hour slap shots. Like, that's cool. I, I agree with you. The props, that's that stuff for the little kids. That's to sell jerseys when Zegris is going to put on a bucket hat or, you yeah, know. The, the, the Zegris one, I love him. It's going to be an insufferable breakaway and I can't Ugh. wait for it. it it's going to be tweeted four million times and it'll be sick of it in two minutes. Yep. Whatever he does. But, but you know what? That's what the Lee good for Lee. I know. I know. I will get off my curmudgeon Lee porch and stop yelling at clouds NRD. Um, you know, you mentioned the GM's sort of resetting as well. It's not exactly a Vegas all-star game where everybody's going to be, I would assume, lounging at STK or perhaps Spearmint, if you're into that kind of thing. It's not necessarily going to act like a trade deadline, is it? No. Probably not this Especially because we don't really have a true all-star break. Now the teams are going to get right back into it, you know, Tuesday morning, Monday, Monday night, Tuesday morning, with the league starting up again because of uh, the Olympics obviously being canceled and games needing to be rescheduled. So I do think there will be some refresh in the GMs to really evaluate where their teams are at in the standings. East Eastern Conference, we know it's a little bit easier. The playoff teams are there. I mean, there's a... 20% chance Detroit makes a run at it here. I mean, there are somebody would have to fall off a cliff. Yeah. Boston would probably have to fall off. Plus they have like four or five games in hand. So it kind of balances out, but the West is a little bit more open. It's the wild West. Um, you like what I did there, but there will be wow. time for the uh, truly groundbreaking stuff. There will be time for the general managers to reset, uh, going into the, going into the deadline season now, which is it's March 21st. It's coming up faster than you think. Yeah. And I think it'll be a good, you know, just over halfway through the season, teams kind of know what they have. And I think we mentioned this, in, you know, December, end of November, where it's like, hey, give us another month, month or two. Yeah. Um, early February, we're not going to see trades, perhaps, but this is going to be smoke season and smoke screen season. Not like it hasn't been already. I mean, we've talked about Vlad Tarasenko and Claude Giroux and, you know, the, those kind of guys to were blue in the face. But this is going to be a, a names that you maybe haven't heard yet that are maybe unhappy with their, their their ice time, unhappy with their role on the team, unhappy with the direction of the team and uh, uh, an expiring contract. It's time to get a little smoke out there, and I'm excited to start 
you know, worked in the phones NRD, if you will, and putting up uh, bat signals from the bat cave, I would imagine. Start uh, having some of this picture uh, be put into place here. Yep, without a doubt. It's Cold Stove Pod. Listen, you're going to hear it first. I, if not first, early. I would er, early. First or Odell, early. give us more credit than that. How about first? Uh, yeah, we'll hear it first. Let's go first to our friends over in Winnipeg. Are they buying or selling at the deadline, NRD? I could see them buying defensive help. And that's been that's sort of been Winnipeg's whole thing for years. For years, hasn't it? it's just tr- like when are they going to figure out the defensive end of the ice? I they thought that they had something with Neil Pionk, and he's played pretty well when they when they made that trade with the New York Rangers, the Jacob Truba deal. But he's not, you know, he's a puck moving defenseman. He's a little bit more offensively, you know, gifted and has that mindset. He's not going to eat minutes and shut down. So they're still lacking that defenseman. Um, if they're going to make a play that is more on the rental side. Ben Chirot does make sense in a way for Winnipeg. Jeff Petrie, I think, is another name that, you know, there's rumors that he requested a trade. Montreal doesn't necessarily have to make that move, but if they do and Winnipeg wants to pay up, I could see that being a name potentially available. Yeah, and more on Petrie later on this podcast, like we mentioned, but it, with a team like Winnipeg, it's it's just a coach situation. You know, you have the best goalie in the world, or one of the best goalies in the world, in Connor Hellebuck. But like, they don't they don't scream like they're it kind of they kind of scream throwing the towel to me, honestly. Where Edmonton had to figure this shit out immediately, and they are starting to do so. Winnipeg doesn't have that same cup or bust mentality to me. I don't think, and maybe they do. Maybe somebody in Winnipeg is like, come on. I don't know. I wouldn't say that they don't have the same cup or bust mentality. I think what what many people miss on with Winnipeg is they don't I mean Mark Shifley is a great player right he's their whole I, roster is solid I think man. he's they really a have solid guys. yes Shifley's an extremely solid center but he's not a guy with the superstar prowess and aura of like a McDavid and a dry saddle so the reason why we're putting on Edmonton to figure this shit out immediately is more so to like hey what's gonna happen when McDavid and dry saddle get pissed off right so like we got to appease them we got to keep them happy I don't. Th- I think that you missed that with Winnipeg because not that nobody cares how Mark Shifley feels, but there's less of that stigma of hey, we gotta write the ship immediately to help our superstars or potentially disgruntled superstars. There isn't that in Winnipeg, and maybe that's because of the lack of media attention. But I think that Winnipeg <clears> is the <throat> same mentality. I mean, you did when you came into this year with Paul Maurice behind the bench. I don't know if that changes now. You know, with Lowry coaching the team, but you know. They still, like you said, they're solid up and down the lineup, and they could be a hell of a lot more competitive than they are now. So if they want to make a run in it, they're going to have to buy a defenseman at the deadline. Sure, Certainly some injury problems, too. I, you know, always a caveat there. But you know, a guy like Mark Shifley, too, does he have one of the best contracts, like team-friendly contracts in the NHL? Value-wise <clears throat> for what he provides, I think so. 6.125 for another two years after this season. Just <clears throat> really, really good GMing work. Uh, in a couple different locations there for Mark Shuffley. Blake Wheeler at 8.25, though, for another two years after this year is, is tough. Um, but a couple guys that they, you know, if they are sellers, if we go the other route, Paul Stastny and Andrew Kopp, both at manageable mid three-point no, three mid uh, cap hits. Do you like either of those two to move uh, sooner than later? I mean, if you're if you're a buyer out there and you need a center that's going to play the third line really effectively, I think Paul Stastny is your guy. I mean, he could play the two way. 
He can kill penalties, which he, you know, there's always question marks, at least when he was in Vegas a little bit about his, you know, ability to play on the penalty kill and whatnot. He gets to Winnipeg in that trade a couple couple years prior now. And, you know, he's settled into a really solid two-way role in Winnipeg and he's proven what he could do on the defensive side. So if if I'm a if I'm a Florida Panther team or a Ranger team or a Bruin team that's looking to buy I, that's you took the Bruins yeah, right out of my mouth. If you I mean that's a Boston Bruin guy right there, Paul Stasty. If you're looking to buy a center, you might get him a little cheaper than a Joe Pavelski. I mean, Pavelski's lighting the world on fire right now, so his price is astronomical. You might get a guy like Stastny a little cheaper if Winnipeg does decide to go in that direction. I don't hate it. Interesting team to watch that Winnipeg team. We've talked about them a, a couple of different times. I want to go to, you know, NRD, we we have our usuals on this podcast. Or, you know, the, the, the Flyers, the Islanders, the Rangers, the Bruins, the Devils, etc. I wanted to hit on some teams that maybe we haven't talked about as much. And I'm not looking for scoops necessarily or smoke or, or fire even, but more at the, at the midway point of the season, the um, sort of the figurehead fin point. Obviously it's a little bit past the midpoint, but a couple teams that we don't talk about a whole lot on this podcast. And I wanted to start in Nashville. David Poyle said he likes this team too much at the moment to make big splashes at the deadline. True or false. He's a great poker player, uh, David Poyle. He's been. That's because he went to Northeastern University, my friend. Uh, Smart guy. Set myself up for that, you son of a bitch. Slam um, dunk. You know, he's one of the best general managers in the National Hockey League, and you really never know what David Poyle's up to at any given moment. I think that the way they started this year is certainly not the way that they are right now. They're a much better hockey club than they were in October and November. I think there were genuine questions in the early months of the season whether. Nashville would consider starting their sell-off maybe, or at least their retool now, as opposed to waiting till next season. And those questions obviously were alleviated by the performance of the club. I mean, Hines has settled into his own behind the bench. He's got a good you know, presence in the locker room. It's clearly the team is working on all cylinders right now. They're hot. And I wonder if, because here's the problem with Winnipeg, right? Their cap situation is not perfect. You know, Forsberg's a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, coming up soon. And, it's hard to add when you have guys like Johansson and Duchesne on the books. And what do you give up if you're going to add, right? You're setting out with UC Soros, one of the probably a Vesna favorite. I, I was gonna yeah. I was gonna say, where do you where do you put UC Soros in, in the goalie fraternity uh this season as far as ranking goes? This season he's up there with Shastarkin <clears throat> and you know yeah. he he's got a shot at the Vesna. But so you're set there in that. I mean Defense, I think they can improve a little bit on the back end. They still have Roman Yossi. They're still pretty solid on the back end. But, you know, Dante Fabro, I think he's hurt right now. He's, he's short-term kind of injury that's going to keep him out a couple of weeks. But they have guys on the back end in, in, in Nashville. But up front, it's hard to add when you have those large contracts and you really don't have a deep pool right now to kind of give up in, in that move, right? Like Eli Tolvanen was a guy that they had over the past couple of years that was heavy rumored to go when they were looking into Kevin Hayes, when Kevin Hayes was available with the Rangers, when they were originally looking into a Duchesne deal before he went to five other places before he ended up in Nashville. Like, Tolvanen was that guy, but they stuck with him. They kept him down in Milwaukee, then he was up at the big club, but he's kind of coming into his own down the lineup. So they don't really have a ton of assets by way of giving up. So I I think that there's a little bit of smoke from Poyle there that he doesn't want to add. Of course you want to add. He's a good general manager and general managers are always looking to improve their club, no matter how big or small. But at the same time, I think that with the stockpile that he has in front of him, it might be more difficult for him than 
than a New York or, a, you know, like another, I don't want to talk about teams that we already talked about, but like <clears throat> an organization like that, that has a little bit more by way of the prospect pool and the pick pool. I think Nashville is lacking in that, you know, ammunition department to make a move. They don't, they don't strike me as the deepest team, especially up front. You know, you, you have your Duchesne, Johansson, uh, Forsberg and Granlund. And then a guy like uh, Tanner Janot or Jano Janot, who's playing fantastic hockey, but uh, not a ton of secondary scoring up there right now. And so maybe that's a spot they looked at. Paul Stastny on the uh, on the Nashville Preds. But we'll see. We'll see in Nashville. I wanted to give them some love because it's one of my favorite cities in the country. Really cool rink. Uh, really fun fan base, and we don't mention them a whole bunch. Along with. The, uh, the pride of St. Louis, the Blues, NRD, kind of under the radar all season, you know, I want to say, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Do you like anything about this Blues team and the way they're constructed? I do. I, I think that holding on to Tarasenko clearly is the right move right now. They're still, they've cooled off a little bit. Billy Husso is playing out of his mind. We've talked about him on the podcast previously. I yep. put him up there, probably not a Vezina favorite, but definitely one of the upper tier of goaltenders so far that we've seen this season. and. That's a team that if if Doug Armstrong said he's going to stand pat and he doesn't want to do anything major and mess with the vibes right now, I'd believe him over a guy like David Poyle because they have a good mix of guys in the locker room. They've been at, you know, rock bottom of the National Hockey League and then won a Stanley Cup a couple years prior. So they have a lot of trust with the guys that they have in that locker room and that organization. So I'm not looking at anything big out of St. Louis because Tarasenko's kind of played himself into a nice role there. They've been winning some hockey games. I don't think they're in any rush to move him, whether he wants to be moved or not at this point. And they're not going to fuck with the vibes too heavy, is is my belief. Yeah, and, and I'll translate that in my language as saying they're, they're the roster that if he was to sit on his hands and not do a thing, for like three years, they would still be competitive. People are locked up for years. Four defensemen are locked up through the 2024 season. Justin Falk, Tori Krug, Colton Pareko, and Marco Scandella. My thoughts about Scandella aside. And then they have a guy like Scott Perunovich and, and Logan Brown, who they got to re-sign this year, and and then Vili Husso. And then their core is like set-set. Now it's up for debate whether that core is good enough i mean obviously they won a cup recently but not you know the not the same exact team but if they didn't do a thing they might be fine they don't have a second round pick they still have a first rounder and two fourths this year so they're a team that i could see sort of playing just just like oh st louis is in the conference finals yep that makes sense they're here because they're a good team and they made a run right like that's that's the thing with st louis and that's why i say probably their best interest to stand pat because they can make a run with what they have in that room. I truly believe that, especially in the Western conference where it's a little bit more wide open than anywhere else. Totally. The one guy, uh, David Perron, $4 million player. He's up at the end of this year. He's 33. When you got to sign a couple guys, I would imagine that he is a cap casualty, but he'll, he'll have a, a fun opportunity to go play two or three years for somebody. Um, and, and, Chase a cup type of thing again, you know? He's a player I like to watch. He was original Golden Knight. Was he really? He was part of the I believe that so. Crew? I believe David Perron was with the Golden Knights. 
Tyrant. Careful. I know I know whenever you uh whenever you get a slight detail wrong, NRD, people oh like my. to tweet at you. He was. Okay. I'm exonerated there. <laughs> and yeah, Eric Lindros, sorry. It was so inconsequential <laughs> to the argument, right? Like we we're talking about how to fix the flyers. And I forgot, pardon me, that uh, you know, we've been sitting at home for the past two and a half fucking years with this COVID thing. Pardon me for forgetting Eric Lindros went into the Hall of Fame in twenty sixteen. He's well deserving of it. But it was inconse- inconsequential to the argument. Yet all the Flyers fans were like, see, we got you. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, wow, <laughs> if that's what you took away, then you have a miserable life. Uh, amen. A team, uh, St. Louis, by the way, another cool city. Another, like they, I know they've gone through it a bit, losing the Rams. and uh, I, I root for the Blues. I always have a soft spot for the Blues. I'll put it that way. NRD, a team that started off the year uh, red hot, you could say. And has come back to earth a bit. Are the Calgary Flames? You see what I did there? That was very good. That was better wow. than what I did. So, <laughs> uh, what happened to the Flames? Simply, you know, they. You want to talk about a team that lacks secondary scoring? I mean, they have Kachuk, they have Goudreau, they have you know guys that can contribute, but. Everybody's favorite rumor, Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan, but he's not contributing like they thought he was going to contribute when they drafted him. So, and the other thing too that's totally you know underestimated. Statistically, he's built up such an such a portfolio over the first couple of months of the season that he's still you know in the top half of goaltenders in the league. But Markstrom has kind of cooled off as well. Yeah, well, I, people are saying on Twitter, you know, the every the all uh, the all ruling Twitter sphere. Careful now, that, that's my uh, home base. It is, but people are saying give uh, give Ladar a bit of a run here coming out of the All Star break. Yeah, and. Vladar played well in Boston when he got starts, and that's why he earned himself a contract with Calgary as the backup. But yeah, Markstrom's really cooled off, and I think that's played a lot more into Calgary struggles than people realize. When you look at the stats, like I said, there's enough there that the way he performed throughout, you know, from October through December was good enough to get him still in the top 10 of the league. But at the same time, he has cooled off when you look at it, you know, his last 10, his last 15 starts. So that's part of their struggles as well. You're not getting the secondary scoring. You can't win games 4-3 anymore, 5-3, because you're on the wrong side of the five instead of the right side of the five. It adds up. It also feels to me like when you start as, as well as they have, and they're by no means in, in danger here. I mean, they're not, they're not first in the in their division anymore, but um, it, does it feel like when you get that far out of the gates and – a little bit less focus in the locker room, maybe. Maybe there's a little bit of celebrating the success. And is there a coaching situation? What's uh, what's Mangiapane going to make now? And what's Goudreau going to make in the summer? They start reading their press clippings a little bit. Do you see that with that team? Yeah, especially, you know, Al- the good thing for them, though, is that, you know, in the province of Alberta, the the stress of the media has been on Edmonton. Right, like the focus of the national public attention. Yeah, you could, you could, yeah, you could say that again. <laughs> the focus <laughs> of the national oh public intent of the media and the the attention, I should say, is on Edmonton. So they've kind of skirted by a little bit as Calgary Flames, and that's why not too many podcasts, us included, and people talk about the Calgary Flames struggles. But we are now, and that's a good thing. And so I think that it gets into their head a little bit. And there's always a there's always that big brother, little brother mentality as well. They could be like, why not us? You know, they, why aren't we getting the attention, the love, and it could get in their head. And, uh, but it's a good group of, it's a good group of guys in the locker room. Johnny Goudreau, free agent at the end of this year. There's a chance he goes back to Calgary. 
the thing that nobody thought on earth he was going to do, there's a significant chance of it because of the camaraderie and the team that they've built over the past couple of years. So I like them to work their way out of the funk, especially once again, the weak Western Conference. They're, they're going to have a shot, especially if teams like Edmonton can't write the ship and it's too late and they continue to falter. They're going to have a shot at, the, at you know making a deep run. And you know, I I think it's unfair to call the Western Conference like weak or the Pacific Division weak. I think it's a little bit of cannibalization in a way because the only truly bad team is Seattle. Yeah. And and there's a lot of like I don't think Vancouver's a bad team. I don't think the Sharks are a bad team. Edmonton's obviously not a bad team. But I think it's there's there's a cannibalization factor after the the Golden Knights that's like who expected the Ducks and Kings to be as good as they are already? And so, like, they're just beating good teams because they're they've become a good team. That two years ago, you're like, oh, LA is the worst constructed roster in the league for a reason. So, I think there's a little bit of that too. I think we is a poor choice of words, and I'll retract. I'll walk that back. I think wide open is a better better sure, phrase. I, I think that's what I. That, I mean, that's I know what I was alluding to. I was alluding to more so wide open than weak. That's what I meant to say. But like, it's a wide open conference right now. Like you mentioned, teams like the Ducks, the Kings, that have kind of been thought of as rebuilders over the past three or four seasons are now competing. And that changes the dynamics there where a team like Calgary, who, if they can get their shit together and right the ship here, they're going to dominate because of the veteran presence and the acumen of guys that have been there, have been there before in the locker room. Like they can make a run unlike a ducks team that's young and inexperienced. Currently Calgary is holding the final wild card spot out West with a couple points on the blues and also a couple games in hand. So Calgary looking looking okay. They could use a good like eight and two run out of the break to really solidify their spot. But uh, a, a team that probably isn't going to figure into the plans for this year, and as far as the playoffs go, is our friends in Columbus. Rumor coming, I think it was yesterday, that if you are going to go full rebuild with this, maybe not tear down to the studs, but if you are going to reset. That means Patrick Laine will find himself on a new team for the second time in as many years. NRD, if you're Patrick Laine right now, are you kind of salivating? You're like, get me out of Columbus? Yeah, heavy. <laughs> I'd be very happy if I was Patrick Laine. I There are going to be 29 teams that line up to acquire Patrick Laine. I mean, we've we've already, it's so tired, the argument about, you know, and, and I fell into that trap too at one point, so I'm not going to you know say I'm innocent, but the argument about Line's ability to focus on hockey and whatnot is so tired. He's an elite goal scorer. A little streaky. And yeah, I get that part of it if we want to critique you know kind of the on ice and the performance thing. He's a little streaky, but when he is on, he's an elite goal scorer in the National Hockey League. And he's an RFA still, and he's only got a year left on this deal. It is, you know, 7.5, but it is... Only for this season, you can kind of work with him in the offseason to try to work on a longer term deal. You can rent him this year. He is an RFA. So you're going to have many teams. Pretty much every contender is going to line up to acquire Patrick Line at the deadline. So let me ask you this. If you want him for the playoffs, say you're a team that can afford him or or Columbus would be up to take some salary. Is there a price for maybe not just Patrick Line, but but expiring contract RFAs. Obviously valuable because you have first crack at their rights, they're younger, they're a couple of different pluses. Is that like an automatic first? 
I would say the best comparison for, you know, an expiring RFA contract like Patrick Line is the expiring RFA contract of Patrick Line last year. <laughs> Pure, there you go. PL Dubois, right? Like he goes in that deal because he was also in a similar situation as Patrick Line. I think it's a niche deal in the sense that it, you obviously, if he's making that much money he's an RFA, he's obviously worth it. So you're looking at, you know, one plus 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 in value, but it's a unique situation where if you have a guy like a Dubois that, you know, wants to be moved to, it could be a one for one trade as well. I think the cost would be astronomical for Patrick Line to first plus, I mean, in value terms, you know, just, just right off the bat mm-hmm. there, despite the fact that he's a rental, because like you mentioned, he's a restricted free agent and you have that team control just because he's a free agent at the end of the year doesn't mean he's walking. You still have a ton of control in that situation. So, you know, two flirt two first plus is not out of the question in terms of not necessarily two first round picks for Patrick Line, but two first of value plus oh, a I would, I'd want that. Yeah. If I'm Columbus, I say it starts at two firsts. And if you're and, go, and we go from there. If you're rebuilding this thing, that's that's what you want, right? You want that youth and that value. So Columbus does have the uh Chicago Blackhawks pick conditional if uh if it's outside the top two, I believe. Reading cap friendly right now. I want to get that correct, or else people will yell at me. NRD. They won't yell at you. You have a check mark. You're you're always right. That's true. That's true. If Chicago wins one of the 2022 draft lotteries, and the lottery win results in the pick being the top two overall, the Chicago pick moves to 2023. Okay, glad we cleared that up. Um, one thing I did want to clear up while we're on the topic of trading for players with team control, I wanted to talk about trading for players like a Claude Giroux, not necessarily specifically Giroux, but guys that are sort of propped up as a uh, a rental with the intention of re-signing with their original team. And I posed the question, I don't know, maybe it was an offline to somebody, whether it was you or somebody else, but I said, how, how often does that actually happen or is it made to lighten the blow in a home market of a guy who's been there forever leaving to go chase a Stanley Cup? Like, how many people come back? I know it's happened before and happened relatively recently, but like when Claude Giroux is propped up as a, hey, we'll re-sign you, go chase a cup in Colorado and come back and retire as a Philadelphia Flyer, how realistic is that or is that a show for the fans? It's it's truly case by case. It, it really comes down to the player, the fit in an organization, what he means in that locker room and how well the – how well the mutual respect goes between the player and the front office with a guy like Claude Giroux from everything I've been told. And from the people that I know down in Philadelphia, it's extremely high that respect level. It's extremely strong between the player and the club. I think that, and I know it it does sound like lip service. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't to the fans, but at the same time, I strongly, and I've said it, you know, on this podcast and on Twitter many times, I really do feel strongly that Claude Giroux is probably the closest we'll see. If it does end up going through, then it happens. But if not, I still think he's one of the guys, you know, in the past five years or so that has been the closest to re-signing after being uh, dealt when it's all said and done. Because of the respect that the front office in Philly has for him as a leader and for what he's meant to the Flyers organization over the years and how he feels about the area too, right? He's got kids in school. He's got a family there. I think that weighs, you know, heavily on him as he embarks on this decision to waive the no trade clause, which... From my information, it has happened now at this point. So I think that if we don't see it, we don't see it. But I don't think you're going to hear of anything closer 
with any other player than Claude Giroux in this instance. I really think it's a case by case basis thing. Yeah, I, I think I I agree with that. And and there's our Claude Giroux minute for the week to wet everyone's whistle. You know what's wetting my whistle this weekend? NRD. Betting with our friends over at DraftKings. It's the moment we've been waiting for since September, and it's finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. That means you can bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Who you like, NRD? In a Super Bowl? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking about betting on the Pro Bowl here. My bad. Oh, uh, okay. The, the big thing that everybody's been waiting for, the dodgeball game. I am on the record rolling with the Joe Burr, the icy wow. drip of Joe, Joe Shiesty. Burrow. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow. I think he's going to get it. And it's hard to bet against those guys like that, right? Like, there's some swagger, arrogance to him that it just it drips when you see him. And it's like, how do you... How do you bet against that? Even though, yeah, Kansas City is a better team. Uh, not Kansas City. Um, the Rams are a better team. And it was the same last week in Kansas City as well. Like, they were clearly the better team going in. But that swagger, that confidence, it's something to be something to be said about that. It's hard, Dude, I, it's hard to bet against it. I don't disagree, but I want – so I want Stafford to get a Super Bowl. I want the, the – I want L.A. to get a Super Bowl too. They, they've waited a long time for something like that, even though it's going to be the most corporate environment of all time. Uh, the Super Bowl in fucking Los Angeles. Um, and I want Joe Burrow to have, like, fire for next year. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, maybe I don't because then the Bills would get smoked by the Bengals. But I kind of want Joe Burrow to lose this game so he has, like, a, a comeback story that's, okay, the Bengals have gone from underdogs to now they're hungry and, like, you know, hungry tigers run faster. Is that the saying? Yeah. Hungry dogs run faster, I think it is. I I adjusted for this. Anyway, back to the uh, the ad read. <laughs> right, right over my head. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. How about that? If the sportsbook is not yet in your state, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. That's what I will be doing. As I live in Texas, new customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code WASHED, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code WASHED at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Ready for this uh, disclaimer, NRD? It's a long one. Here we go. 21 plus only. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Wow. Void where prohibited uh, gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or touch the TN red line. 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. That's 467369. Look at that. He's back, baby. How about right that? off of COVID protocol? He's back. 
I am. I am. Uh, speaking of COVID protocol, no Alexander Ovechkin in the All-Star game. No Alexander Ovechkin tonight either. So Unfortunate. Unfortunate. Maybe not so unfortunate for Edmonton. Obviously hope he is okay. NRD. Some, some water on the rumors of JT Miller in Vancouver. Some fire on the rumors of Connor Garland. What happened in Vancouver? What ha- well, to find out what happened, you'd have to ask some of the other uh, blue checkmark insiders that were... Uh, my, the fraternity that I have, that I have joined. The fraternity. Two, two fraternity mentions this episode. There you go. Back to the college year. <laughs> you, you're going to have to ask them because I've been sitting here this whole time on this podcast saying, pump the brakes on, on JT Miller and that fired-ass rush to move him in Vancouver. From everything that, you know, and I spoke to many people involved with the front office in Vancouver, and all I was told was, they are still evaluating on JT Miller. It is not a done deal that they're moving this guy tomorrow. The cost is high. The Rangers and those teams, yes, they've made phone calls, but they weren't as strong as it was previously reported. And now look what's happening. The transition is starting to turn to Connor Garland being the name, which originally going back to October, we speculated that he'd be the guy that gets moved anyway, right? Because he came in from Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like we're back where we started and, you know, uh, nobody loves tooting their own horn than me. And I've been sitting here this whole time trying to tell everybody, you know, it's starting to look like what it, what we thought all along, or at least what I thought all along. JT Miller, yes, there's still a chance he's moved. And I even said last week that I think there's a greater chance than not he's moved if Vancouver continues to fall out of it. Just because if a team steps up and wants to give them, you know, two first plus of, of value for JT Miller, you have to take it. And we know that GMs upbid each other all the time. So, yes, I think there's a greater than 50% chance a GM comes by and swings that offer their way. But, you know, I don't think that I think that this reporting that Vancouver is in such a rush to move him this whole time was wrong. And I stand by that. They, he's a great asset. And I think there's a lot of flexibility that Vancouver has with JT Miller. No surprise to your Carl, Connor Garland's name, you know, in the mix now. If you're a team that's looking for winger help at the deadline. Would you rather have a Riley Smith at 5 million on an expiring deal or Connor Garland with term in your win now mode? I'd rather Riley Smith on the expiring contract. And that's solely just from a roster building standpoint, right? You it's an expiring contract. You have a ton of flexibility nothing's given in this league we know that it's seven games to win a stanley cup at max you need 16 w's to get it done nothing's a given if for some reason injuries happen in the offseason you have to restructure to take a run at it next year i like having the flexibility of you know a guy like riley smith is expiring that you might not want to bring back or if there's another guy you can bring in that adds a little bit of a different kind of thing to the locker room so I'd be inclined to say any expiring contract over a guy with term if you're in a truly win-now mode. I think I'm taking Connor Garland. Embrace I don't know. Bait. You know, everybody has those those guys that they've watched from, you know, 18 years old or whatever. He's one of those guys for me mm-hmm. that just like whatever whatever franchise I build in, in Chell or franchise hockey manager, shouts to the boys over there. He's always ends up. He always ends up on my team. I just can't. I can't keep him off my team. And maybe that's like the old fantasy that I wanted the Sabers to get him because he was Jack Eichel's best friend. So maybe that that has something to do with it. A couple Boston kids, fucking Boston kids. But uh, give me Connor Garland on a contract that I think he's going to outperform in the very near future because he already has four point nine. 
right. There's my take. Right. There's my take through 2026. I don't disagree. A cost-controlled first or second line winger that, uh, by all accounts, is a heart guy, locker room guy as well. I don't disagree. From a and as, as in heart, I mean H E A R T. I don't think he's going to be a heart trophy. Winner. You never know. Um, <laughs> the I think what what he provides this season, you know, in the year of our Lord 2022, I think he provides a lot more to line up than Riley Smith today. But that being said, I still lean more so with the executive mindset of the flexibility of having a rental contract is just huge because nothing is given in this league. There's no guarantee that a team that goes all out wins the Stanley cup. Just look at Vegas for the past three or four seasons. You are not wrong about that. My friend embrace debate. Another guy who's not on an expiring contract, but rumors have picked up in the recent days. We mentioned him earlier in this podcast, and that is Jeff Petrie. I saw one uh, check mark, blue check mark. I can say that now is one of them at RD. I saw one blue check mark saying uh, Jeff Petrie for Klingberg straight up. Deal or no deal? I think the Montreal Canadiens win that deal. Yeah. Without a doubt. Of course they do. But I think that's crazy. I don't know if you're Dallas, why you do that other than. That's what I mean, by the way. Yeah, like, I don't know why you do that if you're Dallas, other than Klingberg has truly asked for a trade. He wants out tomorrow. And what you're getting back is not going to help you in any way, shape, or form for the next three or four seasons. So then you turn to a one-for-one trade for a guy like Jeff Petrie. Yeah, you lose a little bit, but he still provides a lot, you know, on the back end. Other than that, though, it doesn't really make sense. He does. He's just, he's old, you know, he's old. And and maybe that's the wrong way of looking at hockey teams these days because like 34 is not the 34 of 1996, you know, but I don't know. I think I like John Klingberg too much. And I think I think his extension, what's Klingberg's extension you'd come in? Six? Five? Five five? I was more so like six, seven, five into like okay. the seven. So range. even if okay. So he, six, seven, five, he's twenty nine now versus Petrie's six two five, he's thirty four through twenty twenty five. I, I still take Klingberg more extensive extension, even if it's higher than three more years of Petrie after the season. Yeah. I don't disagree with right? you. I think it's a win for Montreal. Oh, am I arguing myself here? No, I think you're <laughs> I think you're spot on with it. I think the thing is, like I said, I think the only way that deal makes sense for a for a Dallas franchise is if nothing that they're getting right now on the market helps them in any way. And it's just all futures or it's all futures in the direction that they don't want to go in. So it's like, hey, what can we do on a one for one deal? Maybe just a change of scenery type of trade, which is always hard to do with a more premium asset. But if they look down that direction, I think Petrie's the guy. But there's a chance that Montreal doesn't move Jeff Petrie to the offseason either. I think a team would really have to step up and make a payment there for that deal to go through. So there's a lot on both ends, both Klingberg and Petrie. We're a ways away from a potential one-for-one for for those two guys. You know who another guy that has been talked about that's sort of in that similar situation where we 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 might not want to move him until the summer? Is Josh Manson in Anaheim? Shouts to a fellow Northeastern Husky for the second time on this podcast. I like what Anaheim's doing. I like what Anaheim's done. I don't think they can afford Lindholm in the offseason, but are, are you trading Josh Manson in the middle of a, a very solid playoff spot right now? You can't. The best thing, so 
I understand that young teams are inexperienced. And that kind of will go to my point here. We always talk about young teams being inexperienced when they try to make a playoff run or they they catch lightning in a bottle like Anaheim's doing right now. And that, you know, yes, they don't have to win tomorrow. They're still rebuilding. They're still going through it. They're going to take their lumps as a younger team. But at the same time, the only way you get experience of being there and winning is by winning itself, right? So like, I think that you have to reward a young club like Anaheim that is overachieved to this point by keeping a guy like Josh Manson and continuing down this path of making a push for the playoffs like they have been. So moving him now does them no good. Like you said, I think that Landholm is not going to be an Anaheim Duck next year. Maybe if a team wants to step up and make a deal there because they have enough on the blue line in Anaheim that they can afford and they know they're not really bringing back, you know, Lindholm next season. I wonder if he's a name that kind of gets hot as these teams start to turn off Jacob Chikrin and they go in a different direction. I wonder if that's the name that comes up, Hampus Lindholm. But either sure. way, whether he's involved or not, you know you're really not bringing him back. I think you have to keep a guy like Manson. They've played well. The young guys have earned it. And you you breed success by you know having success. You don't you don't sell off when you guys are hot right now and then expect the kids to have the experience like they've been there before. Like get there, you know? And I think that I think that Anaheim understands that though. Is there something about like if you're the if you're management in Anaheim, you don't have a general manager as we sit here today, and say you're say you're your Dutch go to the conference finals and they get Molly whopped by Colorado. And you're still like, hey, pump the brakes here. We have a, a rebuild to, to to put some mileage on. Still, is that the worst thing that can happen for like a fan base and a a hockey team that overachieved to the to the point of uh, getting too much hope involved? It's forget the fan base for a second. It's the worst thing that could happen to to you know younger guys in that locker room who are still trying to figure out their identities in this league, right, and what their role is. And when you have a team like, let's say, yes, Anaheim goes to conference finals and they lose in four to Colorado. It looks like the 2000 and it looks like the 2000 avalanche out there. But the experience that those players gain only for them and the front office to say, hey, we're still in a rebuild here. You start to doubt. And I'm not saying this is the same with every player. Everybody's got their own individual, you know, individualistic psyche and how they process things. But. Don't you feel like if you're a younger guy, you, you sit there and say, wait a minute, why do we really need to rebuild? We had the right group of guys here. I think I'm one of those players that can perform in this role and, and we made it to the conference finals. Let's capitalize on this. I think to say, hey, we're still in a rebuild hurts that mindset. You say, what What do we need? Because I thought we had it here. I thought I was stepping up into a big role here. I think it hurts more than it helps, not only just the fan base. I mean, forget them for a second. I think it hurts the, the vibe in the locker room as well. I really do. I, I think I do too, and and you know a lot of it, a lot of it is is veteran players playing well, like Raquel, the gets left, uh, you know Troy Terry's not a not a young guy, like Cam Fowler's playing well. There's a lot of guys that are kind of tugging them along, and it's, so you it, it's sort of like is it is it smoke that we just have a lot of good veteran players, and we don't know if this rebuild is going to work because we you know we know Zegris is good. We know uh, Sonny Milano's good, but so is John Gibson. Like, how do you how do you know? And, and they don't have a GM to decide that right now, you know? Right? Yeah, but they have hockey people in place. And you you mentioned the one name that I was going to jump in and mention. John Gibson is playing fantastic right now. He's keeping that team afloat, and he's another guy that hey, 
there's been questions of whether he's wanted to move on from Anaheim. He doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. I think there was actually a great quote that he gave a couple of months ago about he does not want to be part of a rebuild. He wants to win. So if you have a chance, if you're Anaheim, to win this season and make a run, hey, it might not end up with, you know, Stanley Cup or anything like that. But if you can get into the second round, maybe even the conference finals, then doesn't that solve the Gibson situation of, hey, we're winning games now and there's potential for next year and the year after to build. You're not rebuilding anymore. You are building on top of what you had, you know? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if Anaheim's like a major buyer at the at this deadline? I mean, their their prospect pool is one of, if not the best in the league. I mean, you have guys, uh, let's see, McTavish and Perot and Patsuyov and Braden Tracy and and uh, Olin Selweger, like, you got guys. You don't necessarily need that first-round pick. So do you go get somebody? I Like, can you imagine if Anaheim's sitting there uh, with, with uh, oh, shoot, who's like a, a, a good guy on Nashville or, or somebody like DeBrusque or something like that? Like, I, I could see. Uh-oh. I got a name for you. you do- oh, no. Hit me. RFA, cost okay. team control. Patrick Laine? Wow. Like I said, this is what we do on this podcast. We go make sense and then we talk about it. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times I've scooped, but sometimes we sit here and say it just makes sense. We talk about it more speculatively. But yeah, man, Patrick Laine. If you're, you know, Zegris is clearly the number one center of the future. And no knocks on Sonny Milano. He's a hell of a hockey player, but he's not, you know, it's not a world beater there on his wing. But if you want to bring in a winger that is still on the right side of 30 years old and is under team control for next season as an RFA, and you could kind of figure out what a long-term deal looks like with him. And like you said, you don't really care about those you know prospects and first-round picks right now. Wouldn't Patrick Lane, especially on the West Coast, right? That'd be a great fit for him. He's, I think he's dying to get somewhere that's not fucking Winnipeg or Columbus. No offense to Winnipeg or Columbus. No, but, you know, <laughs> the sun does shine in, in, in California, believe it or not. Just a bit. Just a smidge. So, also Austin. We'll get to that. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Patrick Lennon makes a ton of sense in Anaheim, right? Like They can af- certainly can afford they him. They can afford him both in trade and in the contract books. Like, And if you're trying to build that team to be offensively talented like they've performed so far, what better than to stick Patrick Laine on the wing with Trevor Zegers? I mean, the way Zegers can create space and, and set up plays in his hockey, hockey IQ, like how great would that, you know, alley-oop goal be if Laine was on the edge to finish that off, right? You have an elite goal scorer with a guy like Zegers who's young, innovative with the puck and can score goals too. Forget it, man. They'd be a powerhouse duo. I tell you what, the the social manager, the social media manager for the Anaheim Dutch would have the easiest job in America. Just every day, get a video of one of those two goofing off or having fun in the locker room and gets like you know coming around coming around being dead. Yeah, they they did a really good one with uh, I think it was Getzlaff was a teddy bear. Did you see that one? He dressed up as a, a teddy bear and it was scaring the scared guys the coming shit in. Shit out of zero. Oh, yeah, what a great video. So good. No great the- video. Fun place to play. Winning all of a sudden and and outpacing the rebuild. Uh, maybe if I'm a guy that's in in Canada right now, I want to go to the to the beach for four months and try to win a cup. No, what's wrong with that? I'm telling you, you watch. 
and apparently a lot of things that we say in this podcast get manifested. So including something like including that. the puppet guy. So in, in Vegas. <laughs> so if you're listening, you know, the families of the ownership in Anaheim and Columbus. Yeah, I would I would def- if he is truly available, that's like I said, all 29 teams are going to line up to try to acquire Patrick Line, but you know, the some teams should push stronger than others and I truly believe Anaheim should be one of those teams. If not Anaheim, how about LA too? I mean, with the Pacific Division sort of flipped on its head at this point in the season, it's not two weeks in NRD. We are more than halfway in, and it goes Las Vegas, Anaheim, L.A. out west. Or in the Pacific, I should say. Yeah. Great, great recruiting. Great recruiting out there. I know trades are a little bit different, but hey, if, if you're a guy that's like, oh, fuck yeah, I'll wave my no trade to Anaheim, let's go. Yeah. Or L.A. for that matter, like you said. They just yeah, and they they have another young, innovative center like Quinton Byfield in L.A. I think Lonnie is the type totally. of player that you would want to put on the wing of a guy like that who clearly, whether it's a Byfield or a Zagris, that can create space with the puck and and has such a good mind in the offensive zone. I think Lonnie is the perfect winger. Really, I, I, I do. It NRD. It certainly makes sense. Also good on a guy like Dustin Brown who uh, theoretically will get another shot at it at 37 on an expiring, expensive deal. like to see Dustin Brown in the playoffs where he belongs. He's a playoff player. Playoff player. No doubt about it. NRD, we have some guys, uh, some suits this week. Not at Wash Media, not yet, we, when we renegotiate the NRD contract. But in Arizona... We have some suit meetings. They are not only meeting with Phoenix Sky Harbor International, they're meeting with the city of Tempe to figure out their arena situation. Uh, Athletic article came out recently. There is just more and more talk in the media from the NHL Players Association, executives, you know, talking under the under the uh, protection of anonymity, basically saying this is a fucking joke. Why in the world would we ever play at? Uh, uh, Arizona State with one going so far as to say this is not the fucking OHL. Will this ever happen, NRD? I hope not. And I spoke, you know, talking about some executives in front office and team members under the guise of anonymity. I spoke to a member of the New York Islanders organization a couple days ago. And in, in conversation, this came up about how they really were shafted by the National Hockey League about, you know, going back to the Coliseum and playing games over the past three or four seasons. And one of the big knocks was the Coliseum wasn't up to NHL standards. It wasn't their minimum capacity. It didn't have this, that, and the other thing. And yet there's a chance that, you know, the Arizona Coyotes played a college for more than just three months. We're talking three or four seasons here. Years. years three or four years. years. And talking to this individual at the Islanders organization – there was a lot of anger and resentment of, of how their situation was treated between the Barclay Center and the Coliseum and how they weren't allowed to play there for more than, you know, a select few home games or half the season. And they weren't allowed to host the Stanley Cup there if they went like a couple of years ago when the Islanders were on that playoff run. The Stanley Cup Finals would have had to have been at Barclays. It wouldn't have been allowed to be at the Coliseum. So like the Islanders dealt with a lot of shit to get to where they are now in UBS and good for them. And I spoke to somebody and I see that anger because 
Arizona, this should never, this should not be allowed to fly, right? Like, no. it really is ridiculous. No. There's 5,000 seats there at ASU. It's going to get cut down to 3,250 by the time they put in all the NHL upgrades and stuff. Half of them are bleachers. You're not selling tickets on right. bleachers. And, you know, like, I, I actually saw a tweet just popped up on my Twitter feed as we were recording the show here. Like, Shane Wright's going to go from playing where he played Kingston, right, with the Frontiacs, that seats 5,200 in the OHL, to now playing where they seat 32 in the NHL. Like, come on. It's not a, it's not an attractive spot for the free agents. It's not an attractive spot for rookies. You're going to destroy the franchise if you do it, and I don't know why, if you're listening, Gary Bettman, let it go. Cut ties. I don't care where you move them. If you have to move them to Quebec City to make me look like an asshole after I've been saying no Quebec over the past three <laughs> years, fine. So be it. I'll wear the egg on my face. But admit defeat. Get the team out of Arizona and bring them to a market wherever it may be, whether it be Milwaukee, whether it be Texas, anywhere where there is a accredited, certified arena that can host this franchise. There is a passionate fan base that will root for them and some Coyotes fans that will follow, but not at Dan Arizona State University. Can't. Can't do it. And I saw people playing the, well, like, an intimate 3,000 people is better than uh, uh, 8,000 people in a huge arena. Like, yeah, maybe once. Yeah, if you're going to see the Eagles retirement tour. Yeah, it's like it's nice yeah. to see an intimate concert in the round. Yeah, it's great. But like, right. we're talking. I want to see John Mayer with 200 people next to me. That's it. That, I just want to do it once. Then get me back in a fucking stadium. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, it's good for some things, not for a professional sporting event. Especially something right. with the it- high intensity as hockey. And even for a year, it's cool. Or like a playoff run, it's cool. Sure, pack 3,000 people in and let them go fucking nuts. But like years of it? No, it's, I okay, it's Tempe, good recruiting pitch. It's Arizona State University. Maybe some early draft pitch like that. Aspect. I was going to say Tyler, Tyler Sagan. Yeah, Tyler Sagan. Uh, yeah, the, you you mentioned the attractiveness. There, there is an attractiveness factor where they they do win the battle. But like, come on, this isn't fucking. This isn't the circus. What are we? This is a professional, professional, big four sports franchise. What are we thinking? Get it out of your head, Gary Bettman, that we need to stay in Phoenix. Yeah, I I love Phoenix. I love Scottsdale. I spent a year in Peoria myself, but what are we doing when there are other viable options tomorrow, let alone Austin, which would be like two two years as well? Tomorrow, you can have a better situation for this team and the league. And there's too many owners uh, as, as blindly defensible, whatever the fucking word I'm looking for is, as blindly loyal as you are to them. Give it up. Yeah. Give it up. So we'll see what happens there. A couple meetings this week. We will know more, I'm sure. Lastly, NRD, are you familiar with the Danbury Trashers? I am. And the the lovely folks that brought you um, whatever that team could be uh, called? They, uh, they have a new venture. They do. I don't know if you know where I'm going with I this. I don't. Have you heard of Ice Wars? NRD? I have not. Ice Wars brought to you by the folks that built the Danbury Trashers. Uh, 
we're doing fights on ice ice wars it basically sounds like royal rumble you get to you fight your opponent for two minutes winner most points after two minutes moves on to the next round also on ice we're just we're just glorifying the 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 fighting part of the game ice wars coming to you in early 2022 according to his instagram post you excited for that nrd (laughs) you want to fill in here because this is dead air i don't know what to say i i i found that this morning and i thought i would uh it's probably one of the most ridiculous yeah it's one of the most ridiculous things i've ever heard yeah yeah, I don't I don't have anything else on it. There's not a whole lot of information uh aside from an Instagram that has like three posts on it and one article. But yeah, our boy AJ Galante owns a boxing club. He's gonna get these guys on ice. <laughs> You're truly speechless. I speechless. I don't really and anybody that listens to this podcast knows it's hard to get me to shut up and I truly, really have nothing to say here. Well, we'll, f- we'll close it out with something that you can uh, comment on. The World Juniors rescheduled for this summer, 2022. NRD, excited for the kids? I am. I think it's a good thing. Hopefully, you know, they're going to play it again in Edmonton and Red Deer. Hopefully that restrictions with uh, with capacity and whatnot are gone by that point And it's in the summer and COVID's not a thing anymore. We can get, you know, seats filled and the team's flying over with their full contingencies and whatnot. It's the right thing to do. I would really like to see, hopefully now that we're going to bring in some revenue and gate sales with the World Jews, I'd hope I'd like to see the women's U18 tournament also rescheduled as well. Or absolutely, that that has to happen. Yeah. If this if this is is done, that has to be done. Uh, ideally, concurrently, I think that'd be fun. I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And listen, there's there's no secret. You know, you you can't be ignorant enough to not think that. Listen, the World Juniors funds every other tournament that the IIHF puts on for the rest of the year from TV deals and gate sales and whatnot. Since you are now being able to pull off this world juniors in August, the first, the next thing on the docket would be to reschedule the women's tournaments. In my opinion, especially with, you know, bringing in that full revenue from playing a complete world juniors tournament, you just have to do it. So that's, that's the first thing I think of. Yep. Absolutely agree. Looking forward to that. NRD. That was a good time. Listen, ice wars four. Or excuse me, two one-minute rounds on ice. Knockout or TKO ends the fight. Judges score if needed. UFC-style gloves are used. And fighters drop actual hockey gloves to initiate the fight. So they're wearing <laughs> UFC... Under, they're wearing UFC gloves under the hockey gloves that they shake off. And that's the, that's the, the go signal. The most extreme combat sport ever invented. I'll tell you what, it'd be a good Netflix documentary. <laughs> the uh, oh, the judges we have Frank Bialois, Brad Wingfield, and John Morasti. Nasty Morasti. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Old Syracuse Crunch fella. Anyway, NRD, that was a good time. Do we miss anything on the rundown? No, I think we're all good. We'll see you next week. All Star break. Never know what could happen coming out of the All Star break. We have been saying two episodes a week, potentially. We're getting into that time of year that I think it is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting this on Brett on the spot on the air, but I think over the next couple of weeks, it's something we'll discuss and we'll, we'll move into that uh, two, two episode a week setup pretty soon. I think it's firm to say that March will be exclusively, 
maybe not exclusively, but it, it, it will be two episodes per week in yeah. March at the very yep. least. So we're coming at you. Appreciate all support. Again, leave a review. I don't care what it is. Hopefully it's good. If it's not good, you know, I try not to pay attention to those, but uh, we appreciate it. Keep up the support and, you know, playing me out again. Love it. Brett, leave it to you. I'm trying. I'm trying to produce this thing. NRD. I'm trying. I'm trying. A-Town, thank you for being behind on the ones and twos. NRD, thank you. I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman. Check for the, uh, the blue check this time. Thank you again, NRD, for that. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Enjoy the All-Star game.